It was freezing cold in Dallas when I made my getaway. I outran a cold front when I gave my truck the reins. Barreling down I 35 with one thought on my mind. Forget the race, find an open space, leave that <clears throat> Thanks for tuning in and telling a friend that you hang out here on the other side of Texas, the most listened to media platform in the region, perhaps a state. I'm your host, Jay West Texas Leeson. As we go along here, we're broadcasting from the Racer Car Wash Studios. Racer Car Wash voted Lubbock's Best Wash for five years running. Stop into one of five convenient locations across the Hub City for the best wash around. Guaranteed. See them there at racerwash.com. You want to be a part of the program, you're welcome to text in your thoughts as we roll along. 806-745-5800. A big giveaway for you. We're going to do today, tomorrow, Maybe Wednesday. You're going to see where the Leeson family is by Wednesday. We might play a uh, greatest of on Wednesday and uh, Thursday, Friday. But I will tell you this. If you text in, and all you have to do is just text in tickets to 806-745-5800. Just tickets. That's all you got to text in. We've got a giveaway brought to you by Charity Leeson, who I may or may not know, who I may or may not love in a covenant. Uh, Charity Leeson, Lubbock's realtor, a giveaway for six lower bowl tickets to Texas Tech versus Northern or North Co- Colorado. Let me get that right again. North Colorado, Texas Tech versus North Co- Colorado on Saturday at 4.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. You got cabin fever with the family? Get away. Go down to the USA. And uh, we got six tickets for you. All you have to do to be entered in is to go to our Facebook page or our Twitter at OSTX Show or text in the program tickets and you'll be entered in to win tickets for the game there on Saturday. And and whenever I mean family, I mean family. Six tickets we got for you there. Uh, Speaking of Texas Tech sports, uh, we try to talk about the news, views, and issues of the region that matter. Uh, Our friend Scott Braddock, let me take a little side side track here. Our friend Scott Braddock is not going to be with us cannot deliver Braddock on Texas today because he has a kidney stone. And I hope it's just singular, not plural. A kidney stone, maybe stones, and is there in a in a hospital. All our best to Scott Braddock, but his segment last week was in Fuego. And so we're going to replay that for you coming up, uh, Scott Braddock. Then about uh, 30 minutes from now, you'll hear from Lubbock 
West Texas Congressman Jody Arrington. We'll get into the things that matter to the listening audience. Um, But this is where I want to begin. Speaking of Texas Tech Athletics. Folks, if I had been given a Big Ben brew for every time I've heard the name Mike Leach today in connection to Texas Tech and the potential ousting of potential to probable ousting of Cliff Kingsbury I wouldn't be behind this microphone I'd be face down in a bar ditch somewhere not raving on with you Um, here's what we know now my best and the worst of the weekend and I'm going to just continue into best going through Monday night we are uh, about an hour and uh, two hours and ten minutes away from kickoff of Pat Mahomes and uh, the L.A. Rams. And I'm going to go ahead and just count that as my best of the weekend. The twins, um, my twin boys, their flag football team lost. So I'm going to go ahead and say my best of the weekend is going to be the Kansas City LA Rams game tonight but the worst of the weekend by far whatever that cluster was in Manhattan Kansas and I think a lot of you would be listening whether you're on a a bowl stripper whatever wherever you are right now you would agree that what happened in Manhattan, Kansas against Kansas State on Saturday was the worst. 20-6. to six. Look, I get it. I, I, you know, I'm an apologist for Cliff Kingsbury because where Cliff took up and where we were at that time was an absolute cluster. The 50-yard line, Tommy, my big ears, Tub- Tuberville, um, a big problem. I think UT, University of Texas, Oklahoma, University, you win one of those two games with Alan Bowman as your quarterback. But I don't know what you say about what happened in Kansas, Kansas State in Manhattan on Saturday. I consider myself to be a friend, and I hope that he would say the same, a friend of Mike Leach. He's been on this program. I like Mike Leach a lot. Call me a leecher. Call me whatever you may. I think he's a genius. And we've had other people on the program who've said as much. Uh, Sam Gwynn. Uh, come at Sam Gwynn, if you will. Sam Gwynn wrote uh, Empire of the Summer Moon, um, Perfect Pass, and is... Uh, is a scholar, an academic, and a gentleman, but has a lot good to say about Mike Leach. Now, he said what he said about his boss, quote-unquote. I get that whole argument. But I will tell you that I've heard Mike Leach's name continuously over the course of the day. Now, am I going to make this issue into a... 
um, into a regent gate issue? No. I don't think I will. But I am telling you that I hear Mike Leach's name more than I would have assumed I would have heard Mike Leach's name. Um, for a potential replacement for Cliff Kingsbury. Now, here's where we stand right now. If Kingsbury were offed, it would be about $5 million, between 4 and $5 million. And that doesn't include buying out his assistance. But with a base of about $4 million and then $4.1 million in 2020, you buy out the difference, and that's $4 million for Cliff Kingsbury. And I've been absolutely astonished over the course of the day former foes of Mike Leach, the Leacher crowd, you know, men as a pejorative against a lot of people, have all of a sudden mellowed. And I think that tends to mellow whenever he's got his team in a position to be in the college football playoffs. And uh, some are beginning to warm up to him. Now, why? We've had a lot of conversation on this program about hotel uh, hotel revenue taxes and what that could what that could mean. Now, here's what we do know, and this is based upon the Lubbock Avalanche Journal last weekend. Um. I'll just simply read here, and you can read between the lines. Like, if you think the the proficiency of government should be to be handled, given a dollar and turn it into $7, there's no place who does that like Lubbock, Texas. 100%, no doubt. Um, local hotels, and I'm quoting from a Sarah, Sarah Self Warbrick article here, in the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Lubbock hotels are seeing a similar trend, said John Osborne, president and CEO of Visit Lubbock. Supply of hotel rooms has increased 30% in the last decade. Demand has increased 35%. Lubbock hotels were 96% occupied during the weekend of September 28 through 29, when Tech played its first home Big 12 conference game against West Virginia, according to data provided by Visit Lubbock. 96%. The highest demand for rooms in a month of, in the month of September, reached a peak this year, Osborne said, on par with busier months in the year, Total lodging revenue topped $11 million that month. This is the first year revenue has hit that mark, he said, and that has happened four times. Developments in the city, entertainment, education, and healthcare in particular, will continue to increase demand for accommodations, he said, Osborne said, Visitors coming to Lubbock because of Texas Tech 
remains beneficial to the entire economy. Quote, anytime you have people coming to town, going to a game, they're excited. They're with friends and family. They go out to eat and shop. Those things have an impact on our community that is so positive. So, I come down with the math on it. If you're going to depart with Cliff Kingsbury at this point, $4 million, a lot of people would say, woo-wee, like in a uh, hee-haw sense, woo-wee. But you have to look at the broader side of it and say that we're in a seat now. Now, what about the $2 million that Mike Leach says is claimed by him and a lot of uh, what I hear right now is that there are some donors whose rears are chapped by some claims that Mike Lee two million dollars in the scheme of things. Now, I don't want to be the guy who's like, well, you know, just raise it, raise it in private money. But whenever you do the math on hotel, motel occupancies, and the economic impact, if you're a big tech donor, you have got to begin to say, maybe that makes a lot of sense. Guy's got his team in contention there at Washington State and Pullman, and it couldn't make the college playoff. How big? Because here's the deal for me, guys. Here's the biggest deal. I try to explain to my 11-year-old daughter how before she was born and maybe a year in her life, you watched Texas Tech and there was some electricity going through your sternum that, hey, you know, some Phil Collins, I can feel it coming in the air tonight. Is some rude eyes being made at me right now. But you knew that there was something coming. And with this team, there's not that something coming. But if you got people buying hotel reservations and coming to town thinking there's something happening, then that's something new. That's something we don't have now. And I get it. Cliff Kingsbury is the most quarterback, snake-bitten coach that's ever coached here. His quarterbacks have fallen by the wayside, one after the other after the other. But I'm just going to lead with this, that there is a lot of premise for the Mike Leach argument, and I would expect that to make do in the days to come. And... Uh, we'll see where the chips fall. I know that there are a lot of donors who are absolutely opposed. There are a lot of donors who are all in on Mike Leach. Admittedly, a to go back to a term from 10 years ago, a leecher sitting here, it seems that there are a lot more leechers than there used to be. And we'll see how all this fleshes out. We got some... Uh, pre-recorded Scott Braddock, and then we'll get him with uh, Congressman Jody Arrington. Probably start Arrington on the leech question. Throw him a little curveball out of the gate. Uh, Wherever you are at the gate, stick with us right here. 
Be right back on your other Across side that old red of Texas. This is what I saw. Not Title One. It's LubbockFileRoom.com. We changed those things up, Daniel. We changed up the reads, providing safe and secure document storage and shredding services to Lubbock and the surrounding area since 1992. For a free and hassle-free estimate, call our our friends at LubbockFileRoom.com, 806-744-7666 today. Our friend Scott Braddock is out with kidney stones. Ouch. Ouch. But in his stead, what we have here is a rerun from... Braddock on Texas last week, and uh, we'll just cue it up here. Important because we're talking about the Texas Speaker of the House, and for those of you who are just new to Texas politics, super important issue. We'll cue this up. This is Scott Braddock's call last week. Uh, Listen closely, my friends, because this is what matters if you're on the other side have our friend Scott Braddock of the Quorum Report right here on the program and is there not a better time I don't think I've looked forward to one of your segments more than I do right now Scott Braddock uh, thanks for coming on and as always Braddock on Texas absolutely of course I always look forward to it Uh, I look forward to it uh, you know immensely every week no matter what the topic is just so you know well but today this is the speaker edition of uh, Mm -hmm. other side of Texas we just played speaker chat we we played the um, audio Um, I'm told in four prizes following you in a pre-recorded interview we did earlier today uh, I look forward to it four will make the case for listeners he doesn't make the case i asked him my understanding was before he and you guys a quorum report broke it i believe mm-hmm. um yes sir that as of yesterday uh what about 1 or 2 p.m central standard time bonin mm-hmm. dennis bonin had some 40 votes today he announced that he's or pledges uh today mm-hmm. 109 uh, we just yes, listened to the audio. Uh, just talk us through the last 24 hours, Scott Braddock. It's been very interesting to watch a couple of the candidates for House Speaker drop out, uh, including Phil King and Fuller Price, uh, and then Tan Parker um, earlier today. Is that uh, Phil King and who... Weatherford and Tan Parker? Yes, of DFW. He's okay. from Flower Mound uh, in the, up in Denton County. All right. uh, and uh, they had been running for speaker for quite some time. Um, Bill King was one of those who was running for speaker not long after Joe Strauss had announced his retirement about a year ago. Uh, and all of a sudden there was this momentum. There was a, a meeting uh, of some Texas House members a couple weeks ago uh, in which we had reported there were somewhere between 30 and 40 Republican members who were trying to figure out who they would support for House Speaker. Uh, the name that emerged from that meeting was Representative Dennis Bonin, a Republican from Angleton. He was not in attendance at that meeting. Uh, that's our understanding. Um, but uh, it is worth noting that Bonin, uh, on the last campaign finance reports, was giving money to Texas House members at about the same rate as other announced speaker candidates. That was before he had announced. Uh, nothing wrong with that, of course. It's all disclosed. But uh, it, it tells you that 
Um, it tells a lot of folks around here that he was thinking about running for speaker long before he actually announced. And it was not the case that some Republican members simply got together and asked him to run. Um, that's the way it was portrayed, that they had asked him to run, and then he said that he would pray about it, and then he decided he would run. Uh, it doesn't look that way. But regardless, uh, he came out today, said he had 109 colleagues who have pledged to support his bid to preside over the lower chamber in 2019. Uh, when you say you heard, that you played audio, I assume you, that you mean you were playing audio from his press conference earlier today? Yeah, about two um, minutes yeah, he, the press conference. Sure. He had said, and it was a short press conference, uh, there were two questions. One of them was asked by myself. I'll get to that in just a second. Uh, but what he had said was that, look, just forget the number 109. He said, don't worry about that. I, I have 109 pledges. But the truth is, all the other 149 members of the House, uh, you know, besides himself, that they are all going to be part of the House, whether they are Republicans or Democrats. He also said that he was going to uh, keep a commitment to bipartisanship as a legacy of greatness that makes the Texas House stand out from other legislative bodies around the country. That was his quote. Uh, the question that I asked him uh, was whether or not he would commit to um, appointing Democrats to key committees, which has been a tradition in the Texas House, which is also um, something that makes the Texas legislature stand out from other legislative bodies around the country. Uh, and he, in his uh, answer to me, he did not say yes or no. He didn't say for sure he was going to um, you know, appoint Democrats to committees, uh, although he did say uh, that he is committed to keeping the Texas House basically be a bipartisan institution. He says that's part of but, what makes it Okay, uh, Scott Braddock, at Scott Braddock on Twitter. Um, yes, sir. Tell me what prompted your question, though, because it, I'm going to get into the firebrand nature of go uh, for it. No, you, mm-hmm. no, it's a good of, question of Dennis uh-huh. Bond. I asked for Here, a reason. No, uh, hold, mm-hmm. hold on, let's let's go to why you asked that question. Yes, sir. So the reason I asked that question is because members of the Texas legislature have been telling uh, us at Quorum Report uh, that they have heard a couple of different things about that. That uh, that for some members. They have heard uh, from Bonin and from his allies that there would be no Democrats who would be um, um, appointed to chairmanships, and then there are others who have said the exact opposite. So we simply wanted to have him uh, on the record uh, about that key question. And, you know, it's also interesting that after uh, Chair Bonin uh, said he was going to release 109 um, commitments, uh, that Speaker Joe Strauss uh, did say that he also uh, supports Bonin's candidacy now. Um, and uh, so it will be interesting to see what the folks at Empower Texans have to say about his candidacy now that Strauss is um, voicing support. Yeah, that diminishing influence. I'm going to ask you, let's let's go off the beaten path. You bring up Empower Texans. This yes, is sir. how I characterize Empower Texans to a local audience now. Um, that The spokesperson for Empower Texans slandered Bob Duncan. This is whenever okay. you heard that Bob Duncan That's had a good local reference. financial uh, – that he was – that what we heard in the beginning was that Bob Duncan was ousted by the Board of Regents at Texas Tech because he had uh, misappropriated funds or done something shady yeah, with funds. Right. We heard that all And that right. was Michael mm-hmm. Quinn Sullivan, the yes, spokesperson for um, Boss Dunn, uh, Tim Dunn, who heads up Empowered Texans. Uh, what sway do they have at this point? Uh, do you think that they're concerned? 
I think that their sway is in flux. It's not clear. Uh, you know, their chief organizing principle for years has been opposition to Joe Strauss as speaker. Uh, that is what uh, the uh, financial funders of, uh, of Empower Texans, including Tim Dunn and the Wilkes brothers uh, from Cisco, Texas, uh, that's been their main um, main objective, or their main objective has been to get rid of Joe Strauss. Strauss left on his own terms, uh, and so now you have someone coming in uh, who does have the backing of Strauss, although we should say, uh, in fairness, uh, that it did not appear that Joe Strauss was trying to help uh, Bonin round up members uh, for his candidacy. Uh, it looked like uh, Strauss uh, came on board after the, uh, li- the after the list of 109 uh, folks had been released or right about the same time. So, yeah. um, if so, so as far as where they're going to be on the Bonin candidacy, they have not really, um, you know, taken a strong position one way or another, and maybe they will uh, in the uh, in the near future here. Yeah, Scott Braddock with us here. Um, we wanted to queue up the video uh, or the audio that runs as a video on the computer here in the other side mm-hmm. studios, but um, you asked a question of Bonin and Bonin replied I think curtly would be a good a good adjective to you yes, I wish that you had consulted me or talked to me before you ran that piece but mm-hmm. I, people will hear that and it's Bonin taking on the press um yes um there's a lot of concern about well on one hand you got a guy in Bonin Dennis Bonin mm-hmm who a lot of people think will be a good, formidable force to the lieutenant governor. However, the Texas House Speaker's role is to represent the chamber and to consider bills within the chamber and how they move through calendars, Mm -hmm. appropriations, this, that, and the other. Um, His response to you, I think, demonstrated, and uh, look, I don't want to overplay it. I think this was like, 15% 15% Bonin. Like, mm-hmm. Bonin can get really fired up. Uh, there are concerns that Bonin could really lose his cool within a 140-day legislature. What do you make mm-hmm. of that? There are some questions about Chairman Bonin's temperament. Um, yes, he, he was a little curt with me, and that's not a problem. I can take it. And, and I've known Dennis for years, so like you said, that's Dennis Bonin at about... 15 or 20 percent and maybe not even that um you know he, he can get very fired up uh, in the past he was part of the uh speaker strauss team and as you know as part of the team one of his jobs was to be the attack dog uh when it came to the texas senate particularly when uh various pieces of tax legislation were being debated uh, between the two chambers you know look i mean democrats picked up seats in the Texas House and the Texas Senate in last week's election, uh, but Republicans maintain majorities uh, and you know fairly comfortable majorities in both chambers. And so the reality is that it's not really. And this is always the case, Jay Leeson. When when we get down to it, when we get down to the business of Texas, uh, you know, since Republicans have been in charge. And by the way, it was also true when Democrats ran both chambers of the Texas legislature. Um, the real conflicts begin to be about the House versus the Senate, the lieutenant governor versus the speaker. 
Um, and, you know, when those two don't agree on something, a lot of times it's the governor who would step in. Uh, governor Perry was very strong in that role. Uh, governor Abbott has not been as strong in that role of sort of refereeing the action between the two chambers. Um, and, look, you've got two very strong-willed people in Lieutenant Governor Patrick and potentially uh, the speaker candidate, uh, Dennis Bonin, if he does actually take the chamber. Uh, the sparks could definitely fly. We'll see. You say if. I've talked mm-hmm. to people today who say this is a done deal. Is it still sure. if, or is it when? Well, it's about 57 days until they actually vote for speaker. I, I've been talking with some folks this afternoon about uh, speakers' races in the past, and uh, for decades, um, this is the case, for decades, no one has seen a speaker's race be declared over by so many people uh, You know, in November, in early November. Um, and so there is a ways to go here. Uh, the House members could could obviously change their minds, um, but right now Dennis Bonin is on track to be the next Speaker of the House. I think that's fair. Who is who? Are, who are still candidates on the Republican side? Uh, who who do we have left? Uh, well, Phil King dropped out, and Full Price dropped out. Uh, Travis Clardy dropped out this afternoon. Um, are we left with anybody? Oh, where's Drew Darby? Drew Darby. Drew Darby is said to be uh, out of the out of the running. I, I think for the most part, he. Uh, we what we had reported earlier in the day, uh, just to be clear about Chairman Darby, was that uh, our sources were telling us that he had uh, told the folks, uh, those House members who had committed their votes to him, that he said they were free to do whatever they would like to do. So it does seem that his candidacy is over as well. Hmm. Okay. Again, the effort on that, but I'm going to ask you this question, and now we're getting into political weeds. Mm-hmm. The Republican caucus decided just after the session, right on the heels of the session, that the next speaker, right after Joe Strauss's announcement, mm-hmm. that the mm-hmm. next speaker would be elected from the, of course, there is no caucus jail, right? I mean, if somebody defied the caucus, they have to vote on this on the floor, but yes, that the caucus would decide, the Republican caucus mm-hmm. would decide who the next speaker was. And I've heard from members today, and let me give you a couple of things, that there sure. was that Let's Friday mm-hmm. secret meeting, uh, Friday yes. or Sunday? It was a uh, Sunday. A Sunday secret meeting mm-hmm. that was run by the very folks who put forward the the rule and here let me be mm-hmm. candid drew springer dustin burrows uh frank um uh no longer frank. with us mm-hmm. uh, uh ron simmons, ron simmons. a couple mm-hmm. others and uh burrows i don't know if he's the caucus chair or maybe he's acting caucus chair um put forward a rule that we were going to have the next speaker run out of the caucus but then they did what i've heard referred to today is an end around they uh-huh. end around their own rules they defied their own rules and uh came up with bonin who had not made the pledge uh at to, that be, to be to mm-hmm. be at that point exactly and that i've heard terms like this um fruit of a poisonous tree is not admissible in court but this is going mm-hmm. to bear all sorts of bear, bad fruit down the road. And also, uh-huh. another analogy I heard today that I really appreciated is if you're charged with keeping the hen house, you should not be looking up chicken recipes in the meantime. 
a lot of rancor within the house i would think yeah uh about how this process was run a process that wasn't a process but is still a process I think there's a lot of grumbling. Uh, look, the reality of what had been put in place for the Republican caucus was not that they were going to elect a speaker within the caucus. I think that's a narrative that is out there uh, that is it's it's out there for a reason because uh, there's never been a process set up by the caucus before to formally endorse a candidate. Uh, but what the caucus is still on track to do is endorse a candidate for speaker. It looks now like that is likely Dennis Bonin. Um, But uh, yes, all of this action that we've seen up until today comes before the scheduled meeting on December 1st of the Texas House Republican Caucus to get together and go through their process to endorse a candidate for speaker of the Texas House. There's a lot of chatter in Austin today that that has now been rendered um, irrelevant. Uh, although we'll uh, continue to monitor the situation and see whether that is really the case. Uh, Like I say, there are um, roughly 57 days to go before the entire body actually votes on who the next speaker is going to be, so things still could change, but I do think it's fair to say right now that uh, Bonin is on track. Yeah. Uh, The last one to you here, Braddock, Mm -hmm. unless you've got further details that listeners need to know. Um. I'm told that around noon today, this is what I led with in the program, around noon, a lot of the conversation here is about school. And let me clarify this again for listeners and for you. I think that there's a fair debate to be had about the vet school and the the necessity of another public institution of higher education Mm -hmm. in Texas providing a vet school, albeit a large animal vet school in Amarillo. That... Mm -hmm is i think i think even bob duncan would concede that that was a factor the largest factor in his ousting for texas tech mm-hmm. it is a big issue mm-hmm. it is quake yeah. the grounds up here okay and that's why i bring this forward i'm i'm not here pounding on the drum for the vet school but just covering it like we have then you have to say that the vet school is a considerable factor in the region right now yes and i'll talk with for price about that coming up but i think it is important scott braddock that i'm told that at noon today at around noon john sharp walked out of dennis bonin's office um Mm -hmm. in a grin and now that might have been a political grin or gratifying grin or whatever it might have been what what say you scott braddock on dennis bonin texas a&m and What's become this huge issue here in West Texas and Upper West Texas on the vet school? Well, look, I'm not going to speculate about John Sharp's grin. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a good question. I'm not saying that it's not, but, but I do know that John Sharp and Bonin have been friends for a long time, uh, and so when Bonin and he had a conversation about him uh, potentially being on track to be the next speaker of the house, I'm sure that that was a very positive conversation. Um, I think that uh, folks from all around the state uh, need to be um, on guard about what the priorities are going to be of the Texas legislature. There you go. To be on guard, says Scott Braddock. And uh, we'll hold it there. We're going to get in with our friend, um, Congressman Jody Arrington, coming up. Ask him a couple of hard questions, but you stay right where you are. Arrington coming up right here on your other side. Stay right where you are as we get in with Arrington. 
Uh, coming up in about um, 90 seconds from now. Ask for better weather. You were saying with a grin to the sound of hailstones hitting tin. It's loud enough, you gotta yell now. The whole thing hits me like a song. The pretty one, it won't last long. Awaiting Congressman Jody Arrington want to tell you if you want to text in the show right now, all you have to do, text in, say, tickets. That's all it needs to be. I need to see your name, and I need to see the word tickets, and we're going to be running a contest that's brought to you by Lubbock's Realtor Charity Leeson over the next couple of days. Six lower bowl tickets to Northern Colorado versus Texas Tech this Saturday, coming up at 430 p.m. You can get in on that action there by just simply texting in to 806-745-5800. That's 806-745-5800. Tickets with your name. Be entered in to win. And we're going to put that up on uh, Facebook and Twitter and up on the show's text line. For folks to jump in and uh, have the opportunity to get some of that cabin fever off, and uh, hold on, I've got I've got the uh, forecast right here. Wednesday, 55, low of 35, could rain, 10% chance. Thursday, 58, 46. Friday, if you're in the Lubbock. Rural Metropolis, 65, 41, so a little bit chilly. Maybe get your flag football on with family, but a uh, good opportunity to get out there. Win you some tickets again it's Saturday at 4:30. Awaiting <coughs> Congressman Jody Arrington, like clockwork. There he is, and we bring him on now. He is the congressman out of Lubbock and West Texas at large. Congressman, how are you? Jay, I'm doing great. Always good to be with you, and God bless West Texas. Do you ever wonder how many meetings in a day you can have? <laughs> yeah, there was a time when I thought it's pretty sad for my my children who, when they go to their kindergarten or first grade, and you know their peers say, "My daddy is a fireman. He puts out fires." And <laughs> another one said, "My daddy." You know, he makes money. He goes to work on Wall Street. And they said, my daddy's a professional meeting guy. <laughs> he meets with people all day. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's what you have to do. I know that you've had meetings stacked up. We appreciate you making time, Congressman. Here's where I want to start. Uh, I look at the map, and I, I try to calibrate red and blue a lot and correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, really, I would appreciate you correcting me if I'm wrong. But here's my assumption. Red cotton, by and large, is represented by red representatives. And that on the House and the Senate side. If that is a correct assumption, Jody Arrington, and you being in the cotton metropolis, I mean, the cotton... The, epicenter. The, yeah, the epicenter. I was, I was going to use like some some big box store um, terminology there, but you are in the cotton epicenter. How huge is it now that the Republicans have lost the House 
that you and Chairman uh, Conaway, Mike Conaway, got cotton into the Farm Bill under Title I. Now that we see the blues, and let me just lay this out, the blues, by and large, corn and dairy, would there have been a way forward for cotton in losing the house to be under Title I, being the Farm Bill? You know, it's good analysis, and I agree with you. And no, it would have been a very, I think it would have been too steep a price if even we could get a negotiated deal with the dairy guys. Obviously, the dairy was part of that discussion, part of the equation for us permanently restoring cotton to Title I. But no, we, we <clears throat> you know, it was a blessing in terms of the timing and my being there and Conaway and us having uh, the, the, the run of the table to be able to get that in. I, I just don't know if we could have negotiated in. I'm just grateful that it's there. <laughs> that hole's been plugged. And, it, and it's the law today, regardless. I mean, we hope to get a farm bill, and I'll update you on it. But but regardless of the outcome, whether we got that farm bill done on time, we get it done the next couple of weeks, which I believe we will, or whatever the case Cotton is restored to Title One, and it's for the seed and lint, and it's and it's a better uh, fix, quite frankly. You think that the farm bill will get done? Lots of people say that it's going to yeah. be pushed off to the next Congress. Why the optimism? Well, because I've, I've met with Mike Conaway, and and um, he and Colin Peterson, the Democrat from Minnesota, who's a ranking member, soon to be chairman in the 116th Congress. Uh, on the House side have uh, finally agreed. And this is a big breakthrough. And they've sent a consensus, basically, draft bill uh, to the Senate. And, you know, Colin Peterson's a good guy, and he and, and the chairman have gotten along very well right up until the point that Nancy Pelosi put out orders that no Democrat was allowed to vote for uh, the bill because of the work requirements and SNAP, et cetera. It was a midterm election political uh, gamesmanship play, but Colin is a pretty conservative, moderate Democrat, and uh, I- I'm not surprised that he and Conaway have found a path forward. Now the question is, uh, what will Debbie Stabenow do? It seems like she's running the Senate side more than Senator Roberts. Uh, I'm not very happy with the senator, the chairman of the Senate side, because we have uh, the majority in the Senate. We don't have control of it because of the 60-vote rule. But, Jay, I mean, we have four corners of this deal. you got the House Republicans, the House Democrats, and the Senate Republicans and Senate Democrats. And we sent them a bill without a single Democrat vote because we believed so strongly that this wasn't opportunity to reform the welfare program of SNAP. The Senate did nothing. And so it just took the legs out from under us, and they've made it almost impossible for Mike Conaway and all of us on the House to negotiate much out of the SNAP program. But I think it's going to play out better, probably an improved Title I, improved uh, uh, conservation and other components. But you know, if we, I, I just don't see us getting 
a whole lot out of the uh, SNAP reform, which is Title Four. So that's that's positive news. I can't imagine that now that the House has put a bipartisan uh, uh, piece of draft legislation over in the Senate that they're going to let this go any longer than a week or two. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if next week we have a deal. Uh, next week, uh, Congressman Jody Arrington making time with us here. Uh, the SNAP program, essentially, I think <clears throat> what we mean is food stamps. Why right. do you think uh, – But so to his credit or discredit or whatever you want to make it out to be, Pat Roberts has said all along that there will be no deal based upon – uh, snap. Uh, what's the political thinking there? Help us out as we listen to this. You got guys out there on the bold pullers right now, congressmen. You got a lot of people interested in agriculture. Why has Roberts made it a non-starter to talk about snap in this conversation? You know, it's a mystery to me because I understand that we're not going to get all the reforms to SNAP to food to the food stamp program that we would like as conservatives who happen to believe that it's actually the compassionate thing, not just the right thing to do to incentivize people to work who can, not those who can't, but those who can. And um, I, I'm just it's it, I'm mystified by the fact that there was nothing put in there. I, I, here's what I believe, and I, I'm, I'm sure Robert, Senator Roberts is a good man and a decent man, but uh, it was weak, and I think, uh, I think it was more about expediency to get a farm bill done so you can check a box and put a skin on the wall and say, man, we got the 2018 farm bill. And I would say it's a much better farm bill. It's stronger on infrastructure. It's it's more flexible for first-time farmers, and, and it's got the right investment in the broadband for access to Internet. It's a much more reliable safety net. So it is, a, it is a very good piece of legislation to be proud of, but when you're in the Republican majority and people elected conservatives to, to not just do part of the job but do all of the job in terms of of making good legislation out of any anything we're working on, but especially something that represents 85% of the Farm Bill funding, or $70 billion a year. So uh, I, I'm still just very disappointed. Uh, I think Mike Conway's just done everything he can to drive some uh, some effort among all of the parties negotiating um, so that we had some semblance of reform in the food stamp program. We'll see what happens, but again, I'm not, I'm not going to hold my breath on that one. Let me ask you this, Congressman. Uh, Pat Roberts of Kansas up for re-election 2020. That's when his next Senate term falls. And let me just throw you the curveball here, Congressman. Do you think that it's that he saw the tea leaves in Kansas, that Kansas could turn quite a bit purple within the 2018 election, that he wanted to hold hold on and try to appeal to the middle, to the political middle in Kansas? Is that what prompts all this? Well, you know, he didn't survive 
in politics this long uh, by being a dummy. I mean, he's probably made those calculations. I don't know how much longer the guy has uh, to serve in the Senate. I, I'm not sure. That, I think this will be his last farm bill. And again, I'm not making any judgment on him as a person, but I just think it's uh, unfortunate. It's I don't know if it was I think it's expediency, but, you know, maybe there was political calculation. But I'll tell you this. We didn't have the time or the space um, or the oxygen in the room during the Kavanaugh hearings in the midterm elections to take this to the public. If this polls about 80, this polls about 75 percent across the board, Republican, Democrat, Independent. People, whether you're whatever your party uh, preference, Americans want other capable, work capable, able bodied adult Americans to work in order to receive government assistance. And, and, and so, if we'd have had the runway and the time and we didn't get caught up and wrapped up in the midterms and the, and the sort of Kavanaugh uh, political theater. We could have taken this substantive argument to the American people, and I think President Trump would have helped us in places like, well, uh, whether it's Michigan with Heidi, uh, with uh, Stabenow, or or whether it's Kansas with Roberts, but we would have taken it to the people, and that, and I'm convinced that when they knew what was going on, they would have put tremendous pressure on the Senate to do something. Um, something reasonable like what Mike Conaway proposed and what we supported in the House. Just 20-hour work weeks or volunteer weeks or training weeks, 20 hours for able-bodied adults. So um, it's hard to believe that we can't get that through, uh, but it tells you to me just how the established welfare culture is in Washington, let alone the entitlement culture we have in this country and it's sad it's unfortunate and i think it's aiding and abetting that culture by allowing this program to continue without reforming it but i'm not going to tie up the farm bill and the farm policies and the safety net on account of food stamps um as much as i'd like to fight this for another several months or a year if we had to it's not worth it because we've had too much drought and cost and fallout from trade, and there's just been too many curveballs thrown to our producers, and they need this thing. They need the certainty, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stand and be counted with those who are gonna push this farm bill over the line. I'm telling you, I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm not voting against the farm bill that has the things that we need for West Texas to thrive and prosper. You you went into Heidi Heidkamp, and um, I think that you just got the word Heidi out before you went into Heidkamp. But, of course, she lost there in yes. North Dakota uh, some writing that you and some other Republicans saw on the wall. Yeah, well, we saw, we saw a few of them uh, flip, and, uh, um, and I think that uh, on the we're Senate all the side. better. We should be sure. Yeah, on the Senate side. Yeah. That's right. Well, we we have some flip on the House side, more flip Democrats than Republican. 
and then ultimately, obviously, a 30-plus margin now in the House with Democrats having the majority. But, yeah, the Senate, uh, I wish we'd have had this margin, Jay, in the Senate when we passed the health care, the Obamacare repeal, where we fully repealed and uh, reformed health care, not just the individual mandate, which we put in the tax reform bill. If you remember the famous thumbs down from John McCain, we were one vote. And that's when we had 51 uh, majority. Now we'll have 53. So, you know, you just, you don't know what it could have should have. You just do what, you know, we got it out of the House. We did what we thought was right. I remember the conference leadership in the House saying, you know, I was I was demanding that we put more pressure on the Senate. I remember people saying, well, that's not really keeping with sort of custom and decorum, congressional decorum. We sort of let those guys do their thing. We do our thing. And I said, I don't know about y'all, but when I go back home, not many people make the distinction between House and Senate. They just say Congress isn't doing their job. Congress is Or broken. decorum. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, or so the word decorum. Take me into the room, Jody yeah. Arrington. Take me into the room the night your staff is punching out the numbers. And look, I've alluded to this before on the program. I know that you had your district pretty well nailed down in the reelection that you were out doing what people who want to aspire to leadership do and they go out and they campaign for other folks and you were you were doing both at the same time you were pushing the clutch and the gas at the same time and all that to say take me into the room whenever you find out that the congress has lost the house that all of a sudden you're going to have to go and count the figure out where the paper clips are on the minority side figure out where the office is on how disappointed were you that night did you cuss uh you know if i thought it would have helped i probably would have but i don't think i think i think as much as i was cautiously optimistic we had a chance because the economy was so good jay i mean the the policies that were we put in place were worsening. so you're saying you did cuss (laughs) <laughs> no, I think I just sat there and and I, I to be frank, um, I, I had mixed emotions because you know I we won by fifty percent margin, not not necessarily because I, I hope it's because the folks in West Texas think we're doing a great job and that we're being a good voice for them and that, uh, but I know it's because we are in many ways the last bastion of of principled red-hot conservatism even in the state of texas we carried senator cruz by what was it the 70 percent win margin in my district thornberries and conaways so i was proud to have that be reflected uh to my peers in congress of the values and the core beliefs of the people of west texas at the same time you know, we lost people that were friends of mine that uh, I have tremendous esteem for and, and a good relationship and friendship. And so, uh, and then there was the the notion of Nancy Pelosi having the gavel. And I don't have much hope for constructive governing. Uh, maybe there'll be some pockets of that on the VA and other places 
but I see a lot of obstruction. I see more Kavanaugh, but uh, just, you know, chapter two, three, and four, mostly to to tie up the president. So, yeah, I mean, it was just a, it was a night that you should be happy that you won and that the people of your district are uh, placing their confidence in you again to continue as their representative at the same time. You know, Jay, we spent a lot of time and effort to raise about a million dollars for people around the country. And that's, I don't know if that's ever been done before in West Texas, but we had a lot of people from around this district who believed that, that, that when you are in a district as conservative as ours, when you have a safer seat in the general, we've got to do everything we can to help keep the majority. And I traveled around the state. I traveled um, uh, beyond the district. And, and um, look, selfishly, I mean, A, that's good for the cause. It's good for our conservative agenda. It would have been good if we kept the House. B, it's good for West Texas because we sh- we demonstrated leadership and we made the sacrifices to do that. And as I've said to you before, and I've said to your your audience, we have to be leaders and we have to be in leadership because we can't just be a vote and make a difference for rural America and West Texas and all that's good about West Texas. So in some ways, we're, we're setting the table for us to uh, hopefully be in a much stronger leadership position coming in when we do get the majority. And look, I was the only Republican freshman out of Texas. Now there are five new freshmen coming. So, you know, we also are moving up in that regard, too. So not all is lost. Uh, We'll find ways to be productive. We'll defend the policies we put in place, and we'll get a farm bill done, and we'll continue to to, to be leaders in our conference. But... uh, Congressman, does it not give you more weight now to say, you know, a million dollars, let's put that up against precedence, but also who delivered the votes for Ted Cruz? Look, Ted Cruz did not have the commercials on in the major metropolitan, within the triangle, DFW, Austin to Houston, that he had up here. And does it not give you some weight then, Congressman, with some of these some of these larger Republican senators just say, look, we aren't going to do the school choice thing. We're going to do rural investment because in, in rural infrastructure, we're going to look at this farm bill, and we need your attention here because you would not have been here without districts like mine in Conway and Thornberry, etc. Doesn't it give you ground on that front as well? Absolutely. It, it absolutely strengthens our conversation with look I, I Senator Cruz is a is a is a friend he's been uh, a guy that I've enjoyed getting to know better I, I, you know I knew him professionally now I know him as a friend and a colleague I mean I sent that article that the AJ uh, printed that talked about that 70 percent wind margin coming out of West Texas and you know, I'm going to make sure that uh, we continue to remind him when we have conversations leading up to the farm bill vote, which could happen in the next week or two. So, yeah, I think it strengthens our hand because rural Republicans, they they carried the day 
with President Trump in the swing states, and I told that to the president in a respectful way. Every time I met with him, if you recall, I kept saying, rural America's for you. Farmers and ranchers, don't forget our guys. And I, I uh, you know, that that's certainly going to be a similar mantra and a similar message to um, to my uh, Senate colleagues. Yeah, I think it does, Jay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think you did a good job of uh, in this interview, if I may critique you, um, a, a good job of um, of uh, couching your disgust whenever you found out that you'd lost the house. But you know, that's what uh, long timers do, Jody Arrington. They they look at it and they say, "Well, we'll see what happens next time around." Well, if my mom ever thought I cussed and she listens to you religiously, she might come come up here and, and uh, slap me around in front of my, you know, grown grown men and women colleagues. So I'm I'm, I'm that wouldn't look just good. for the record, I didn't curse. I just I just felt a little uh, ambivalent that night emotionally. Okay, mom. Well, uh, I'm sure that she'll hear you that uh, hear you say that. Uh, thank you to that message, Miss Arrington. And also, <laughs> I want to just ease anything as we get off with you here. I told you that uh, sent you a text message and said that we won at the uh, auction at our elementary school, Roscoe Wilson Elementary here in <laughs> Lubbock. We won the. Um, the luncheon with the congressman. I will not send the four-year-old in for you to monitor him at the Chick-fil-A <laughs> playground. It will be the 11-year-old girl, and I'm really looking forward to her having lunch with the congressman. <laughs> well, and she'll I be respectful, <laughs> and it won't be nearly the trouble you'd have had with Charlie on the playground. <laughs> well, I look forward to you. Uh, you're a good family man, and your kids are good kids, and I can't wait to sit down and just to, listen. It's been it's been what three years, Jason, since you and I first met and got to know each other. Maybe four years, and we've talked a lot about the things that you're doing, the things that that I'm able to do now, thanks to the people of West Texas. And man, we were we're finally in a place where we can we can make a difference for our folks and uh, and the people that don't don't have the voice that they ought to have. And it's it's kind of neat how it's all playing out, and even that election, like you mentioned, how rural Republicans are kind of pulling more than their weight and doing more than their share. It uh, I don't think we're not going to take full advantage of that. But I'm proud to be from from uh, from Hale County, like you, and I'm uh, I'm proud to be a voice for West Texas alongside the likes of Mike Conaway. So God bless you, buddy. Thanks for the time and. And uh, man, take it easy on me on the, the the restaurant. Don't go fancy steakhouse or something like that. You know, I'm no. a public servant. I'm I'm pretty sure that it's going to be a a, a hamburger steak at Brian's. Uh, there he is, Congressman <laughs> Jody Arrington. Thank you for the time, bud. All right, you too. Go West Texas. All right, Hell County forever. Uh, there he is, Congressman Jody Arrington, and stick right there. We're gonna break down oh, Gringo Honeymoon. Love it. Love the bumper music. Uh, break down what's coming up for you on the other side. Stick right here with us. A Gringo Honeymoon. Beto 2020. Uh, Austin American Statesman saying, uh, at least an opinion piece, we think he's going to run. What do you think about daylight savings? I want to get into 
that as well tomorrow. But for now, I'm going to get home. i got to get home. We got uh, Mahomes Day Night Football coming up. Monday Night Football, Patrick Mahomes versus the L.A. Rams and a lot of good stuff. I'm uh, waiting for, I just love that my boys are out of, my twins, twin nine-year-olds are out of school right now. We can go home and we can watch that. So, for my above average family and, uh, uh, sorry, my great family, great family. I did say my great family and above average dinner. I appreciate you tuning in. To this edition of the program and get your thoughts uh anything we need to be covering jay at other side of texas.com scott braddock uh, for congressman jody errington we are gonna take this one off and be back with you about 23 hours from now tomorrow right here on your other side of texas Step on the rain.